Martinez. This is episode 17 of They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. Um, this is a podcast where we are watching all 60 Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent movies every day in a row. And today, Alex, what did we watch? We watched The Hot Chick, a Rob Schneider vehicle where Rob Schneider changes places with a high school girl. It changes bodies. It's one of those bodies. It's it's Freaky Friday, but with Rob Schneider. And Rachel McAdams. Yes. Uh, Alex. Is she, wh- is she Mean Girls? I never actually asked. She she's is. Girls, yes. Right? She's okay. Regina George. She plays Regina okay. George in Mean Girls. She plays the Mean Girl. Yeah. I mean, this feels like a predecessor to Regina George in a mm. lot of ways, especially because April played by Anna Ferris is very similar in my opinion to Amanda Seyfried's character in Mean Girls. Have you seen Mean Girls? Oh uh, yeah. Once. It was <laughs> good. I love that movie. Um Yeah. But you also love Tina Fey in a way that I do not. That's fair. Not to say I dislike Tina Fey anyway. I watched 30 Rock, but I watched it once and that was fine. Like, I like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler a lot. Mm-hmm. Alex, you were very not looking forward to watching this movie. It, I, yeah. think, I think as much as you were not looking forward to the Master of Disguise, did this movie mm-hmm. did this movie have the same reaction for you as Master of Disguise? No, um, because I thought the hot chick was going to be some of the hottest garbage I've ever seen in my life. That's, I mean, have have you guys seen the cover? Go look at the cover. It's Rob Schneider with the green mask stuff and uh cucumber nipples when in fact this movie was pretty great i think yeah i liked it a lot <laughs> you know what we never get in this movie that i'm so glad we never get it's like super terrible misogyny well i mean there is a little bit of misogyny but it's actually this movie is actually pretty good in terms of its message about women's bodies and also about transness now it's not I'm not trans, so I cannot really speak on these stories. It's certainly not an authentic trans story, but there Mm -hmm. is, for, for, you know, like this movie came out in 2002 or whatever. Yeah. For 2002, Rob Schneider comedy vehicle, I am pleasantly surprised. There were no, there weren't any trans jokes that, it wasn't as bad as like, for example, the last movie that we watched, Mm. um, where Maggie in our last episode complained about some of the transphobic yeah. jokes, and there have been other way worse transphobic jokes in these Happy Madison films, and the jokes were always played in this movie. It was always a bad character saying a bad thing or like acting rude about the main character. Uh, it wasn't the perspective of the movie; it was a perspective of a bad character. Yeah, and um, I don't think there was – there was homophobic comments yes. at the main character. Yeah, yeah. Um, based on how they're portrayed, not necessarily trans ones. Right. Um, in fact, I can't think of anything transphobic in this movie. Yeah, I can't um, either, but then again, neither of yes, us are trans, no. um, so it's um, really hard to say. But. but, like, every aspect of the movie where I expect when you tell me Rob Schneider probably wrote this joke where he's going to be a woman in a man's body, like, what's he going to do? I, I was pleasantly surprised, and instead it was, like, a, like not a, it wasn't, like, wholesome, but, like, they had a running gag of 
the girls that she's friends with being like, like, let us see your penis if you have a penis now, like stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is like weird. And it's like obviously a comedy thing, but it's not like, I don't know, it's some played, terrible shit. That one is played, that joke, that's pl- uh, that running joke about the girls wanting to see Jessica's penis are played as girls being curious about sexuality. Like, mm-hmm. it's very much show me mine and I'll show you yours. Uh, show me yours and I'll show yeah, you mine. Um, it, it's that joke. Yeah, and it's not it's, – it's done more of a curiosity of bodies. It's not the best. It's not the greatest. But it's done more of a curiosity of bodies that you don't actually see from a female perspective. But I think we're getting a little too deep here. What I yeah. had originally wanted to say is the thing that doesn't happen in this movie that I'm very glad doesn't happen in this movie is that, one, you were under the assumption that it was going to be a movie about a man in a woman's body, right? Yes. It's not that. It is a woman in a man's body. Um, yeah. Um, they do show a little bit of the inverse. Um, very just little, Just as a, like, hey, this is happening. I actually learned um, there is four minutes cut out of the version we saw. Because apparently the DVD version is four minutes shorter. Mm. I don't know why. And a few of those scenes were of the Rachel McAdams character in Rob, or as Rob Schneider. Mm-hmm. It's confusing. Um, basically doing the same stuff. Nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could but, imagine that they cut some of that stuff out. But the yeah. second thing that I'm glad that they never had is we, we never get a scene where it's like Rachel McAdams, who, I mean, at that moment, Cl- Clive Max Tone is in Rachel McAdams' body. Mm-hmm. Um, we never see the, ooh, I'm going to look at my boobs and be, like, turned on by my own boobs thing. Yeah. You don't get that. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty gross um, in the Freaky Friday type switches, you know? Yes. Uh, I mean, they, they did allude to it at one point. Um, not like that, but that uh, Rob Schneider's character who is a scumbag, was using the female body poorly. Um, yeah, we'll get into that. Because yeah. I think I think that actually has a very interesting message. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am up. glad, too, that obviously this, this movie, I think, is rated PG-13, right? Yes, originally got an R rating, but they resent it in and it got PG-13. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that there wasn't any nudity on the part of Rachel McAdams, because that would have also felt very gross to me, because she's supposed to be a teenager. Even when she, again, I'm getting ahead of myself, even when she's a stripper, <laughs> she's never nude, and it's never yeah. like, it's never like, <laughs> it's never too sexy. I know still, like, the fact that yeah. Clive is being a stripper in in his new body is really scummy but they don't in my opinion don't over sexualize her Rachel yeah McAdams. They, they, they don't do it for the audience they just show it's something that this person did yeah um but anyway yeah let's, let's, let's real let's, quick because i actually really want to talk about this movie why don't you tell me about the sand layer yeah so i'm gonna give this one 1. 1.5 uh stars in the sand layer film um index because it's a Happy Madison production, but it's not written by Adam Sandler, and it doesn't star Adam Sandler. But Adam Sandler's in the movie I, twice. Um, he's the same character. And while they are bit points, I think the fact that he was there kind of shows that maybe um, maybe he saw the animal and then was like, Hey guys, I'm going to just stick around for this one a little bit, okay? <laughs> just um, going to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was um, really worried about the title of the movie. Although, I don't know, because the last movie that he was very involved in ended up <laughs> kind of being gross. I, I still think there's 
something got fu- I don't know exactly how animated movies are made, but like is there a chance that like when he says funny things and then you animate it to a deer eating shit, it's just really bad? Like I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh So yeah. What about let me guess how many times you laughed. I think mm. you laughed twenty five times. You're not even close, actually. Shit. I laughed fifty six times during <laughs> this movie. Do you laughed more than Mr. Deeds? Or wait, which one yeah, did you laugh Yeah, this is by at? far the. I mean, it's a, it's about twenty minutes longer than uh, Mr. Deeds was, um. So you you get a lot in there. So, but I was doing a laugh every under two minutes. Wow. I mean, there's come on the the pillow fight scene. I laughed like seven times in that. That was very. That, funny. that shit's good. Um, it, it it just overall hit, and and I think. I, I would I would rate this movie pretty highly in the movies we've seen, um, which is wild to me. I can't believe that that's true. Did but you, what do you think critics rated it? Hold what on, do you did think you did you tear up? No, I did. Oh, when again I'm getting ahead of myself with the plot and everything. But when April's talking about how she loves Jessica, mm-hmm. I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when I said at like our episode zero that I had seen this movie before? Definitely like it at a sleepover. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, I I I look like an asshole now. Now that the hot chick's good. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't remember it being this good though. Yeah. Um, I just remember Rachel McAdams and Anna Ferris. What do you think? Uh, I I don't think you you read a few reviews. Um, but but I didn't read you... Rotten Tomatoes. I've been trying cool. to stay steer clear of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. What do you think the uh critic and what is the audience? Cr- critics love Rob Schneider. I've learned so I think they gave it a forty percent. Okay. And what uh what about that audience score? And I think the audience, oh, gosh, I think teenagers would like this movie more, but Rob Schneider is not like the kind of person I think teenage girls would like. Uh, so I'm gonna say sixty-seven. Fifty-nine for audiences and a twenty-two from critics. I want to point out yet again that the animal got a thirty percent. Yeah, meaning critics don't like or like will recommend this movie less. The, I, I will point out again the Rotten Tomatoes score. I understand is a do you recommend it or do you not recommend it score, and it's wild to me. Like for a comedy, I guess I wouldn't recommend this to everyone, but like. Yes, I would. <laughs> like it's a, it's a fine movie. Go watch the movie. It's good. I and even I want to point out again, uh, Roper of Eber and Roper <laughs> said that this is one of his least favorite movies of all time and put it on a list saying it was like trash. Um, his his quote they put up was, "I'll say this for the film: it's in color and it was mostly in focus, and I really can't say any more for it beyond that." And what? I'm gonna say what Eber and Roper say? like suck real bad. Those guys suck. Are you talking about Roger? No, it's Roger Ebert, right? Roger Ebert and Robert. Like, it was R-O-E-P-E-R. That's the other dude on the show. Okay, I, I don't actually know the other person, so I only know oh. Ebert, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Just, it's... <clears throat> I don't... I don't know, Alex. I, I, I am going to say it once again. The critics put out a hit on Rob Schneider. And <laughs> the, the thing is... How did the animal get 30% is the mystery beyond all mysteries to me. I think part of it is the fact that in 2002, I- I'm just going to assume, I don't actually know this, but like I'm scrolling through the page of people who have pictures on their like professional I'm a uh, critic 
is mm-hmm. all middle-aged white people in 2002. Oh, like, no surprise. Middle-aged white men? <laughs> I mean, there's women in there, too. But they all have that haircut that makes me think of, like, rich moms from when I grew <laughs> up. And, like, the thing is, they don't ever really seem to say anything interesting about the movies when they say it's bad. Even this person said wallows in gender stereotypes, solidifying the impression that Schneider can't compete with the likes of Sandler and alumnus Mike Myers. Well, like to see where Mike Myers is right now, but like wallows in gender stereotypes. No, it doesn't. Not necessarily. The <clears throat> like the stuff that the teenage girls do in this movie is stuff that I did when I was a teenager. Some of this stuff, like. The patty cake games they play. I've done that so many times. Um, (laughs) I, the idea of a popular cheerleader girl being kind of a shithead to people. I mean, that's all real stuff. Is it a gender stereotype? I mean, yes, but it's also somebody that you can find in real life in a high school. Mm -hmm. Like that group. And it's supposed to be that group. You and know. again, with media, it's easier to deal with a, a trope of a character to start out with and then grow from there than yeah. it is to flush out a brand new character. Yes. I will say the Detroit Free Press, who recommended this movie, does revelation, re- revelation say anything that could be interpreted as the end is nigh when Rom Schneider turns into a woman in a movie that's funny, sweet, and clever? If so, prepare to meet your maker because the hot chick is exactly that. <laughs> Detroit Free Press got us. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I, guy... I, I want to read a review too but I'm going to read it after like when we start talking about themes uh, let me read two more bad reviews because I don't even understand where they're coming from okay the first half hour of Hot Chick not even the movie's name it's The Hot Chick <laughs> the first half hour of Hot Chick before the switch plays like softcore porno from the 60s when? I don't know is were it you when jerking she... off to teenagers? Was that what you were doing during this movie? Was she, when when she was licking the whipped cream off the smoothie in order to get a free smoothie? I was saying it's like, yeah, when when they went shopping at the mall and Adam Sandler told them where they can put their weed. <laughs> like, it's. Uh, I think... Wait, or was it? I'm not gonna. I I'm not gonna spoil the the best. Yeah, part let, of the let's movie quickly recap the movie so I can yeah. talk shit more about uh, critics. Alex, I I am going to ask you way more during this plot how you were feeling during it. So, mm-hmm. how did you feel when you saw that this movie starts in Abyssinia in 50 BC? Ooh, I, I was worried. Um, here's what I wrote. Shadow Lady. Um, <laughs> because it starts with a, a kind of shadow seemingly belly dancing during yes. the credits. And yeah. I said, Abyssia 50 BC? Question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. Is it a curse? <laughs> And that's all I wrote for that section. <laughs> oh, and so, then I said, uh-oh, child bride. Um, yeah, you also said that out loud. Um, <laughs> uh, so this movie starts in Abyssinia in 50 BC, and this is where we get a, a few of those, like, ooh, old religions bad, or, like, old religions mystical. Um a princess is about to marry someone she doesn't like. This this dude, he's, like, super gross. Well, he, he doesn't look super gross, but he's, like, eating food. He's, he's, he's gonna marry a child bride. He's super gross. Yes, that too. Yes. Okay, that's fair. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and by child bride, I mean, like, a teenager, right? I mean, that's Adult. what child brides are. Yes. yes. 
Yes. Uh, she uses a pair of magic earrings to switch bodies with her slave. Problematic, but mm-hmm. we... It's... <laughs> this is where most of the budget must have been put. Like, that and then, like, that scene. <laughs> and then the scene where Rob Schneider slowly turns back into Rachel McAdams. <laughs> no, they spent ten bucks on that. <laughs> um, anyway... I, I will point out, I keep, I keep saying child bride because the guy calls her a child. Well, that's the dad says my the child. Woman. The dad says my child. I thought that's who she was marrying. No, that was her dad. I, they, they did not set him up very well. So. No. Uh, anyway, fast forward to present, and Jessica, played by Rachel McAdams, is a cheerleader, and she's kind of a mean girl. She's very much Regina George. Uh, we see her making fun of the fat cheerleader, joking about eating disorders, being vain, and framing her Latina rival, Bianca, uh, for shoplifting at the mall. Um, again, problematic considering the systemic injustice we see at the hands of security and mall police and, and, and regular police. Anyway. That said, Ooh. the fact that the the security beeps and, and the security guard immediately just dives and yeah. tackles this teenage girl, that got a laugh out of me. Yeah. Realistic. Stuff. Uh, the one I've, nice... I've run from mall security so much in my life. <laughs> they love chasing me. <laughs> uh, the one nice thing we do see Jessica do is when her little little brother Booger, played by Matt Weinberg, is trying on her clothes and makeup, she's only mad about him like getting into her stuff and not that he's like there's never uh like stop being weird or I'm gonna tell mom and dad. There's nothing like that. She doesn't. She's just upset that he's like putting her lipstick on. Yeah. Which I, I thought was very pleasant. And that was the first time I was like, oh, this movie is not doing a, too bad of a job right now. Because mm-hmm. um, that's how you should treat your little boys if they are trying on traditionally female things. Don't make them feel bad about it. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of you shoplifting. You didn't miss a part, though. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say that, that comes after this part. Speaking so I was of shoplifting at the mall. Uh, Jessica steals the pair of earrings from the beginning of the movie from the, like, the exotic goods store that every mall has, of course. And that's where we get to see Adam Sandler. He's playing Rob Schneider's character from an SNL skit. The, you can put your weed in it. You can put your weed in there? Yeah. It's so Honestly, funny. every time he <laughs> says that, too, I laugh. Because that's, that's just a really good, uh, that was a good character. He's also a white guy in dreads, which is the perfect, like, stereotype for him. Yeah, he's that guy. There's a scene right there where uh, the woman who runs the store is explaining the earrings, and the Jumanji music comes on, and the mo- <laughs> the movie cuts to just Adam Sandler's character banging on drums as hard as he can, and they're like, "Can you stop that?" And he's like, "Oh, I didn't know you could hear that." Which is a really funny play on diegetic versus non-diegetic music. I thought that was a very yes. clever joke. Yeah, that, uh, that, that happens. Really that happens twice. Uh, and both times they they got a laugh out of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, while she's getting gas with her friends, Jessica happens to stop at the gas station that Clive Maxtone, played by Rob Schneider, is robbing. While he services the car, she drops one of the earrings. Uh, that night, we also see her sneak outside. Um, wait, to hear- wait, I got, I got stuff. Clive Maxtone is robbing a gas station, and then fills up the gas because it's like not a self-serve place so that he's not caught stealing yes that's and then she harasses him a little whatever but mm-hmm. 
it, it, yeah. it mirrors the fact that they're both thieves, basically. Yeah, that they're both scumbags, too. Mm-hmm. That they're both, like... Ugh. It's just portrayed differently, because uh, he's poor. Yes. <clears throat> well, it implies that he's poor, because he has gambling debts, which is a whole other thing, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> so, she drops one of the earrings. Um, that night, She we also see her sneak outside to see her boyfriend, Billy, played by Matthew Lawrence. Um, and all she basically does is kiss him and then says she's not going to go on the ski trip with him and have sex with him. Like, she does not want to have sex with him. She wants her first time to be special. It's not that she is against having sex, but, like, probably most teenagers, they want their first time to have meaning. I, I will say a thing I really liked about this scene is this Billy guy says, will you come to on a ski trip with me? Like, we can, you can come play Scrabble with me and my little brother. Um, and then she's like, I'm not going to sleep with you. And he's like, well, yeah, I didn't ask that. I just, you know, want you to come hang out. And then she's like, she she keeps sexualizing it. And yeah. he is shown later to be playing Scrabble with his little brother. <laughs> yeah. And obviously he was just kind of being a nice dude. Yeah. we Billy turns out not to be that bad. Um, I was really worried that he was going to be bad. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, later that night, both she and Clive put on the earring and they... Switch bodies by the next morning. Yeah, they pull a Freaky Friday. It was Friday on that day, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, who's now played by Rob Schneider, and I'm going to keep referring to her as she because she is a woman just played by Rob Schneider, mm-hmm. finds her bestest friend, April, the next day after she, you know, finds out that she is now in Rob Schneider's body. A horrifying experience for any teenage girl. Uh, she finds her bestest friend, April, played by Anna Ferris, and manages to convince her that it's really her by bringing up some of the things that, like, they share together and that she's done for her. I, I do want to point out in this scene, uh, there's a miscommunication and Anna <laughs> Ferris uh, pepper sprays Rob Schneider's character. Rightfully so. Who then falls down what seems to be a 14-step staircase, and in the scene of it, hit, he hits his head at least 30 times. <laughs> and I, I almost cried at that because... It got me real good, this this super slapstick, him falling scene. It was great. It was, it was just perfect. like the scene in The Animal where the car goes down the cliff. Yes, <laughs> but with Rob Schneider's face hitting cement, which is 100% funny 100% of the time. Yeah, it's what he deserves after The Animal. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, April calls Jessica's mom, played by Melora Hardin, who's Jan from The Office, by the way. And tells her that Jessica is going on the ski trip to, you know, give her some cover. And the mean, in the meantime, Jessica is going to stay with her. Uh, she gets Jessica to show her her penis. And then they get down to the business of finding out who cursed Jessica. Because that's what they assume has happened. In the meantime, we get to see April's mother be concerned about April's hormones because of the hair and stuff. And, like, deep voices. And her dad tells her to calm down. I like the scenes with April's mm-hmm. mom and dad because the dad is like, you got to leave our daughter alone while yeah. April's mom is hit. I don't want to use the word hysterical. She, um, she's paranoid about her paranoid, daughter and thank what she's you. doing to the point of like obviously being detrimental. Yeah, but mm-hmm. paranoid in the way like that she is homophobic or transphobic. You know, she's afraid that her daughter is too much like a man. Or she's afraid that there's something going on with Jessica and April. She reminded me exactly of I true story. Had a friend, kind of, in middle school whose mom would listen to the vent while we were hanging out in his room. 
and if she heard something that sounded like a swear, would burst into the door and kick people out. What the frick? Anyway. So, like, if I had, if we were playing, you know, like, Super Smash Bros, because that's all we did, and I yelled, duck, like, everyone out. I can't believe you do this. You're not welcome in my home. And you're just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Wild. That and she'd always uh, think we were talking about smoking weed, which was very funny. Mm. But, yeah, apparently yeah. it's also get convinced that Jessica is who she sh- who she says she is. Uh, they don't actually. I like that they don't actually show how this happens. They just cut to what apparently like after Jessica is showing them her penis. Yeah, she's just zipping up her pants again. Yeah, really good yeah. editing actually. Mm-hmm. I thought. Um, I I want to mention too, just briefly. Keisha's mom is a Korean woman, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have any bearing whatsoever to the plot. But we'll talk about it later. Yes. Um, they accuse Hildenberg, uh, played by Megan Coleman, first of being the per- uh, um of being the person who used science or like some kind of chemistry to change Jessica. Um, Hildenberg, we we see her in like the chemistry room, and she is the fat cheerleader from the beginning, so she has a motive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the two, Jessica and Hildenberg, learn that they have way more in common, and they hug it out. Like Jessica learns that Hildenberg does struggle with her body um and since now she has to struggle with her own body they that is their point of reconciliation yeah throughout the movie Jessica mentions basically like the fact that she is perfect is why people dislike her not yeah. realizing what where she's what's actually going on basically and that she just kind of sucks yeah exactly yeah uh the next person they accuse is Eden played by Sam Dumit uh, she is the goth witchy girl who hexed Jessica in an earlier scene, and she says that she has tried hexing her before, but never tried to switch her to a man. Um, so Eden joins their side, too. Um, mm-hmm. And Alex, you told me that Eden ends up voicing one of the hex girls from the that one yeah. Scooby-Doo movie that I really like. Also, p- very, very pivotal move, uh, movie in my sexual exploration. Same. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) likes the Hex Girls. Uh, (laughs) In the meantime, in order to see her family, Jessica pretends to be the Spanish-speaking gardener Taquito in a pretty bad racist character. Uh, Her dad gets along with her and shares his relationship woes in like a way too much information way. Mm. Um, And he ends up showing her his penis too. (laughs) Yeah, because he... (laughs) He cut his uh, pubes into a point star cut, is what he calls it. (laughs) Uh, Eden, um, after doing some research, says that Bianca might be a practitioner of Santeria. And they'll be able to find out if that's true if Bianca has a tattoo on her back of a scorpion. Santeria is just another religion. It it is demonized like voodoo is. Again, this is a... Yeah, it's... In this, though, it's supposed to be ignorant high schoolers trying to figure out what could have happened, basically. That's true. That's that the true. whole thing. I mean, they thought it was this girl who's a witch first, and they thought it was just chemistry. Yeah, well, it turns out to be magic after all, so they're not Yeah, I mean, okay, wrong. fair. Um, they go to the club that Bianca hangs out in, and in a dance-off, Jessica learns that, in fact, Bianca does not have a tattoo of a scorpion. Uh, um, and also, hey, yeah. Uh, what was the name of that club again? I can't remember. Yes, you can. You're lying. I don't remember, honestly. It's 
instant tang. Fucking, oh man. They're consistently in these Happy Madison movies and in Adam Sandler movies, they name clubs like weird shit. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, during this club scene, Jessica also shies away from a perceived homophobic bar- bartender, um, has to learn how to pee standing up. I didn't know that there are some urinals that you guys just put ice in to let yeah. the pee just seep out of there. That's so gross. That has to smell so bad. Men's bathrooms always smell like piss. Um, As someone who's cleaned both men's and women's bathrooms, uh, bathrooms with stalls are always worse. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Also, you didn't know that a bathroom attendant was to stop people from doing cocaine. No, I didn't. Yeah. I just thought they were there to give you mints and wash your hands for you. Yeah, I refuse to move my hands in the bathroom. I make the bathroom attendant do it all. <laughs> Alex, don't exploit minimum wage <laughs> tipped workers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I obviously don't let them move my hands for me. <laughs> uh, Jessica also gets in a fight with a guy in a ponytail who is like being a skeeve to yep. Eden um, and kicks his ass. By fighting yeah, a, like a girl, by the way. By quote-unquote girl. Like, by pulling his hair and ripping his ponytail off. I love he's that. A, he's a college student trying to have sex with high schoolers. He's yes. A, he's a scummy bag. Yeah. Don't do that, college kids. <clears throat> uh, Jessica also gets a job as a janitor at her high school because she still wants to go to high school and everything. And she overhears April's boyfriend, Jake, say that he's cheating on April, um, which they knew because he came home from a ski trip with hickeys on his neck. And she also hears that Billy truly does love her. Billy doesn't say anything bad. He says that she's perfect and et cetera, et cetera, and that he wants their first time to be special, just like what she said. But no one's actually seen Jessica, you know, for a long time, so they're all very concerned. It's been three or four days. It's not that crazy. Yeah, that's fair. eventually well that's crazy for high schoolers true eventually they figure out that it was the earrings that did it uh and they learn that they have to unite the two earrings before the next full moon something that never comes into play really uh so they need to find jessica's body and find those earrings um during this point booger finds out that like jessica is in rob schneider's body and he just accepts her for who she is there i'll talk about that line later Mm um and She's not changed back before the cheerleading competition. <laughs> so Jessica dresses up in the honeybee mascot to cheer. And we get a great scene where there's no rule against a janitor being on the cheer team. Well, being the mascot. Yeah. <laughs> they, they can only be the mascot, so it's, it's fine. And they and, win. Uh, yeah, they win the cheer competition. <clears throat> and uh, she also ends up going to prom with April, where they kiss to make Jake jealous. And April confesses her feelings for her. Uh, but Jessica says that she's in love with Billy, and when she confronts Billy about who she is, he is freaked out and runs away, which is, even though she gives the same kind of evidence that she gave April, and he knows that it's her, he runs away. After he feels the beard of Rob Schneider when they kiss. Yes. Yes. He tries. He does try. And later we, we'll talk about that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Hildenberg and Eden find out where Jessica's body is, and they go to the Polecat Club, where Clive is being a stripper, and they can look at Adam's body uh, to get money. And Clive has also been apparently, like, a semi-vigilante by luring men into alleys and stealing their money. Yeah. But the two men that, like, she did this to that they actually show on the news, you can tell that they were up to no good because one of them had a handheld camcorder and was hiding behind a dumpster. So. Yeah. Um, we get some so there's implied sexual assaulters but she rachel sorry he clive in rachel mcadams body kicks her asses and steals her money which good on them but yeah it also shows uh in the deleted <clears throat> stuff we didn't get to that clive is drinking and mm-hmm. smoking in the mm-hmm. body and um also <laughs> has had a lot of arguments with the other strippers which uh apparently in a deleted scene uh Rachel McAdams' character in their own body walks like to the club and gets slapped by a stripper saying like I told you to stay the fuck away from here which is very funny. That is funny. Um th- anyway, they end up getting the earrings back and they change just in the nick of time before Jessica's family shows up for no reason to the Polecat club. Um they get called by April the paranoid mom. April's paranoid mom. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, sure. Okay, yes. And then they all have uh, cell phones, and April's there, so. Yeah. Um, April ends up, sorry, Jessica ends up with Billy in the end, and um, just Rachel McAdams in a prom tuxedo is perfect. And mm-hmm. Clive is kidnapped by the creepy bartender who must be some sort of weird sexual predator. Because um, he gives a creepy smile and then locks the car doors. Because Clive has escaped the police to this point. Um, and I wish they didn't end the movie on that note. Yeah, it was a little weird. That person, I did learn, was uh, Rob Schneider's, Schneider's personal trainer. <laughs> yeah, the guy's, like, super buff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I, I, I just I don't like the implied sexual violence against men joke. Especially I, sexual violence toward queer men. I, 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 I don't know if I picked up sexual violence there. It was just, like, a creepy dude. Hmm. But... It was the I, creepy smile that did it for me, but, but you know, I, I think good, that's a perspective. Person's a good actor, that's, then. that's the perspective of men versus women, because yeah. a woman seeing that creepy smile might think something different than a man seeing that creepy smile, which brings us into the themes of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this movie did a really good job of body acceptance. Yes. Um, the acceptance specifically of of trans people. Uh, there are several lines in here that could be like they again the movie's not like 100% spot on it's not it's not a movie about trans people it's not an authentic trans story but there are some really good moments like i said earlier with booger booger trying on regina uh, regina's <laughs> jessica's clothes um and makeup we see this happen twice and again it's never played in haha look at this kid dressing up in girls clothes how weird it's always like look at this kid getting into his sister's stuff yeah and um and there's a scene at the end where when they're all running to the car to go to the polecat club booger is running to the car but slightly slower and the dad says if you want to wear those you got to learn to run yeah because he's wearing high heels i love that because the dads in this movie are always portrayed as being very accepting of their children Mm -hmm. which 
you don't see that in stories very often. Like, usually, if you have a coming out story, the person who's going to be more accepting is the mom compared to the dad. Mm-hmm. I think that's just, like, a stereotype. And that, you know, that plays into toxic masculinity and all that. But I love that the dads are portrayed as very accepting, emotionally available people. Um, yeah, um, and that dad specifically talks a lot about their insecurities, not yeah. realizing why they're insecure, basically. Yeah. Because they've never talked about it with a woman ever. <laughs> I am going to read that review that I mentioned at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because this... I I tried to see if there were any if there was any commentary on the trans message of this movie and the only thing I could find were <laughs> religious conservative people being super against this movie so I'm going to read this um review by it doesn't say who but it's from movieguide.org uh movieguide.jesus <laughs> um the hot chick is an attempt to cash in on the ungodly transgender politics in contemporary society. It straddles the fence at some points, but in the end gives in to the politically correct, aberrant notions of today's perverted sexual politics that, regrettably, have become mainstream. Do you think that they were strong enough there by condemning (laughs) transgender? I I felt like they were waffling, personally, but, you know. (laughs) In the story, Jessica Spencer, one of the most popular girls at school, takes delight in teasing the nerdy girls and getting her black-haired rival Bianca in trouble. Why? Why did I mention that she has black hair? Anyway, uh, Jessica gets her just desserts when a magical pair of ancient earrings accidentally causes her to switch bodies with a dirty criminal named Clive, played by Rob Schneider, who's almost twice dirty. her age. He was He was, like, literally physically dirty. And yes. also ate nachos out of a backpack and licked a dolly bill. It was gross. Hell yeah. Jessica and her best friend April try to figure out who might be responsible for her predicament. Complications ensue, however, when Jessica's dad mistakes her for the new Spanish gardener. Meanwhile, Clive, looking like Jessica, goes on a crime spree, luring men to isolated places and beating them up so he can take their money. The gender-bender comedy goes on from there. The hot chick is meant to be a light, silly teen comedy. It might provoke a few laughs from many moviegoers, but it lacks a big comic twist, clever wit, and boffo ending. (laughs) What the fuck's a boffo ending that a really good comedy should have? Thus, it is ultimately a wasted effort, despite some standout performances. The hot chick might have been more harmless than it is, except for its politically correct, romantic notions about homosexuality. For example, Jessica's experience motivates her to eventually welcome the fact that her young brother likes to dress up in her clothes. Trapped in Clive's body, Jessica also gets mistaken for frequently for a hip homosexual. <laughs> uh, I know this is really long, but it's so funny to me. <laughs> Furthermore, her best friend April decides that she's in love with Jessica. Doesn't decide. She falls in love with Jessica. Well, anyway. I decided. <sighs> Although Jessica, as Clive, steers April back to heterosexuality, heterosexuality, the movie makes light of this lesbian subplot. Not only is home... (laughs) Yeah. Part of this that I absolutely love is the fact that they lose their own thread of hate and they they are able to stop misgendering the main character in order to call it a lesbian tale. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, man, they they really wanted to to be shitty people and they couldn't even hold on to it. 
Oh, but but wait, there's there's more hate in this. Oh yeah. Not only is homosexuality and cross-dressing sanctioned, but the hot chick also displays acceptance toward the witchcraft lifestyle of a high school girl who helps Jessica find out who or what casts a spell on her. Thus, the movie suggests that anyone who doesn't like homosexual behavior, cross-dressing, or the practice of witchcraft is intolerant. True. <laughs> the thus, that makes no sense. Uh, but it's true. That is true. You are intolerant if you don't accept that. Um, <laughs> of course, the essence of this kind of multicultural political correctness is to marginalize Christians and other people who believe strongly in the Bible's condemnation of homosexuality, cross-dressing, and witchcraft. And then they say where you should address your um, comments to. And they give, like, the address and everything for Michael Eisner from Disney. Wait. From Disney? Yep. Disney didn't make this movie. I know. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so good. Oh, man. I guess he's the chairman and, and, and CEO of Buena Vista Distribution Company, which includes Walt Disney Pictures, Caravan, Hollywood, Miramax. Miramax, by the way. Fuck Harvey Weinstein, or Weinstein, or however you pronounce his last name. Fuck him. And Touchstone Pictures. Um, so I guess, but then the website's Disney.com, so. Um, yeah, but this, was this any of those? I don't know, to be honest. Does it matter for this person? No. Of course not. Honestly. Anyway. One, one way I think it's pretty good to know what to believe in is is to know what the hardcore conservative religious people are angry at and then i just kind of like side with the other team <laughs> i mean it doesn't always work but it works no most of the time. it doesn't always work but like <laughs> it's it's honestly better than a, a lot of ways to go about it i just find it like i said this movie is pretty it is not the the super woke queer accepting masterpiece that this person portrays it as Mm-hmm. It says nothing about intolerance, really. They don't really pick up that thread. But I do love that they accept the little boy as liking to dress up in girls' clothes. That's even if even if he's not transgender, that is still something that we should allow boys to do is to experiment with their with their gender um presentation i mean i was allowed to experiment with my gender presentation i was allowed to cut my hair short and everything and you know i i have gone back and forth between wearing very traditionally masculine and wearing traditionally feminine clothes and i am very glad that the worst anyone has ever said to me is calling me a lesbian uh which it doesn't offend me so haha on them i guess uh But for boys, it's a completely different world. Like, if a boy... Yeah, I mean, you've seen comments on videos of dads dressing up with their with their sons in Elsa yeah. co- costumes. You, I, they're I mean, horrible. Also, again, this was 18 years ago. Um, a time where, yeah. like, to, to be, like, frank, when I was 10, there was only one term I knew for a transsexual person, and... It's a, you know, car part, and it is a slur, and yep. that's just the word that people used. Yeah. Um, like, just in public. This... Stuff like that was what the norm was. I think, um, it, it, is it a great reputation right now? No. Is it pretty dang good for the time and for the audience that they were portraying it to? Because you have to remember, these movies are for high school, college-aged mostly men and it showed 
the idea of like not taking uh advantage of your partner is good and like mm-hmm. uh being a feminine uh presenting man as perfectly fine and good and good and valiant and yeah and that you'll normal. get a lot of stuff done that way mm-hmm. um th- there was no uh, overtly bad gendered messages in this although they did they, they did whiff a few on the the race stuff Yes, yeah. they did. Can I want to I want to stick on the trans stuff and, and like right. the queer stuff first, um, because under that umbrella too, like under the LGBT plus umbrella, is also like the the homosexuality subplot of this too, with April falling in love with Jessica. Mm-hmm. I wish that they had like if I made this movie, <laughs> I would make Billy a shitbag instead because I would want Jess- uh, Jessica and April to get together at the end. I think the movie cause... would be bad if you did that. <laughs> That'd be a terrible movie. <laughs> okay, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Don't make Billy a shitbag, but let Jessica and April get together in the end. I, and if April, well, I guess maybe you don't even no. have to get them together in the end. What if April I, I, had been in love with Jessica the entire time? They imply that, that April only movie. likes. They imply that Jessica April only likes Jessica now that she's in a man's body. And I wish that they had shown how April has always been in love with Jessica. I I think though that. That is not really a great way to solve it um, because there is just people who are attracted to, you know, certain bodies and saying that this makes sense because they've always been in love. It, it kind of, I don't know, it, it's not as truthful a message what no, I'm seeing. I, I get that. But as, like, a, as a person who absolutely craves more women loving women storylines, I just would like that. I would like that. I don't know. I'm saying I, if I, I'm saying if I wrote it, but I told your 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 point of view is also totally valid. Like the fact that she is attracted to, she's attracted to men's bodies. That is totally valid. You, yeah. you can be that way. That's. I, was, I just think of the way you're saying it. It, it, it is very uh, fanficy for me of that because like it's it's perfectly aligning everything perfectly, so two people can get together, which is not how stuff works. And I kind of hate every story where the stars align to get two people together. Like, that sucks. (laughs) That is really boring and dumb. Like, having a... Especially, again, when when your characters are 18. Like, fuck everyone you know at 18. They're probably going to suck later. You don't know who you are at 18. That's not a good time to make a love story. So, Um, I see April's attraction very surface level um especially with how they describe how they think they're in love um being all physical reactions mm-hmm. that's true um and it's very hormonal and teenager and that's why i'm like yeah you don't need a you, you don't need them to end up together because none of them are gonna end up together and that's fine so let's talk about billy then because billy is a character who is in love with jessica before her her magical transformation mm-hmm. and even though he does run away after like he he tries he he closes his eyes and mm-hmm. um jessica says to him like you won't like i i'm still me on the inside i'm just a man on the outside she says which is it's problematic in a way if we're like talking about trans people don't talk about trans people like that but um but because she's like literally magically transformed it's fine in this movie that that is (laughs) i just wanted to point that out in the magic of the the movie but he does run away when he feels the beard stubble um Mm. but then when he comes back he 
he has these lines about just accepting Jessica for who she is, although he is saying them as how he experienced Clive in Jessica's body, as uh, vice versa. But I still like that. I mean, it showed that he had this negative reaction, but he, like, thought about it, realized that that's not what he felt, and then was like, I I'm, I still love you. Um, I, I liked, they, they could have done maybe a little bit better with that. Well, okay, uh, let me, instead of quibbling, I think they did fine with it, because Billy's an idiot anyway, <laughs> and that's, true, yes. that's his role in this. Yeah. He, he is mistreated by who he thinks is jessica when mm-hmm. it is clive um and then he tries and he comes back and there's this quibbling and they end up together but if billy's a good person he shouldn't be with jessica because jessica sucks she started the movie as a huge bitch who sucks yeah and he loves that person that's shitty of him so he probably kind of sucks too or he cares about his image which is the quarterback being uh with the head with the cheerleader head. yep that's what he cares about it seems that's why they do all this performative hand signaling of love to each other when they see each other, which is super <laughs> lame and boring and cringy. But, like, it's because he's an idiot, and that's fine. We need dumb himbo representation, too. <laughs> um, let's now talk about – well, before we get into the race stuff, mm. I also liked how this movie – framed how women perceive their own bodies and how they perceive men's bodies versus how Mm. men perceive women's bodies because clive's first reaction to being in a woman's body is to become a stripper and and to to use his to use his body to in a sexual way to get money and exploit people Mm. in in a bad way sex work is totally valid but the fact that that's the first thing that his mind jumps to is, yeah, is problematic. I mean, it's also he, shown that uh, this Clive that we don't see Clive's story. We see maybe four scenes of Clive in it, right? In Jessica's body. Yeah. So. Um. But also at the end, we see that he kind of claims this ownership over her body. Like, I'll give you your body back after I'm done with the show tonight and make about four hundred more bucks, and then I need the body on the weekends like the idea that mm-hmm. i like how they portrayed this i'm this man feeling this objective ownership over a woman's body and and you know being put in his place for it um whereas for the teenage girl she feels so like she d- does dress up in her dad's clothes at one point like rob schneider's body um in in her dad's clothes but for the rest of the film she's in her own clothes like uh, she feels she's comfortable not in her own clothes. well she's it, in, she's in she, girl clothes yeah she just shows that she can't fit into her own clothes that's yeah. why she takes her dad's clothes yes um they just buy new clothes for her in yeah. the scene they don't show um so but she keeps up her own like gender presentation mm-hmm. and i think that that was a really interesting way to portray that like how how she is trying to reconcile her body whereas clive is exploiting it i just thought that that was that was an interesting framing of that that social issue is it it's not dug into very deeply again like most happy madison films like they'll take a film and not dig into it too deeply i mean 
the thing is, we keep saying that. What's one film that digs into an issue super no. de- deeply that Especially isn't specifically any about it? Yeah. No, I just mean any movie. Like, unless it's specifically about a topic, they rarely go deep into it. Yeah. Like, the, the Jordan Peele stuff is the only example I can think of off the top of my head. That's he goes fair. deeply into issues. But, like, most movies don't go deep into it, you know? That's fair. That's very fair. Speaking, well, okay, let's let's talk about the 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 racism themes with Keisha. Is it is it racism themes? Is that the correct way to say that? No. Um. So Keisha is a uh, in the being a half Korean, half black girl who is trying to identify strongly with the black side of her uh ancestry to other black students but has a mom who keeps coming by who is a bit doting and overbearing um but is also kind of a racist character of a korean woman yes and by kind of like it's pretty racist yeah it Um, really is and they don't do a very good job of it but basically in like three scenes she shows up she seems like she's very uh embarrassed and then her mom eventually says that she's not embarrassed by her mom. She's embarrassed of herself and, like, gets angry and, like, storms off, basically showing that her mom was upset by her refusing to embrace her her culture and only wanting to show one side of that. But yeah. because the mom is kind of is a, like, you know, over-the-top caricature of a Korean woman, it, it doesn't land too well. Yeah, that's the problem, is that they portray her only in stereotypes and when the mom tries to connect with her um on on kind of a like an ethnicity level she dresses up like a stereotype of a black person and says the n-word yeah it's it's not great at all um it really didn't work no and we we felt like they cut something out about it too because like it was really shoehorned in there it was they could have cut that whole thing out and it would have been the same and they have nothing in it that has anything to do with the movie, which is super weird. It's like a different movie. Yeah. Um, and also, the the s- twin sisters from Sister, Sister are, T the, and Tamara Maori, yes. yeah, are the ones who share scenes with her in this. Um, and th- that's the only part of the movie they're in also, making me think like there is some weird stuff going on with filming there. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that part sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't... I there's nothing more to say other than that part sucked and I think you wrote in the, in the notes that it was a swing and a miss. Yeah, like I got what they were going for, but they didn't do a good job at all. <laughs> no. Like they really kind of fucked that one up. Yeah, which um, is a shame because again, like they could have spent that time doing something better with the rest of the stuff. Mm. Uh, but I do like that they had her be the valedictorian. Um, mm-hmm. there were, um, like, I liked those moments, and I, like, it could have been good, which is why it's so disappointing. I don't know what's up with Rob Schneider and his, like, racist stereotypes. Well, I think he, I, he just likes doing racist accents. I think people who do impressions basically have two choices when they get popular. It's stop doing impressions or <laughs> be racist. Uh. Um, and seemingly... These guys are taking racist 
because Dana Carvey was a thousand times more offensive in the last movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you could definitely um make that make that assumption about impressions. Yes, I, yeah. I wish they would have stopped. I wish they chose the other route. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, like him, he's doing an impression the entire movie, technically. Yeah. I mean, also a that's just what acting is, but fake Italian accent. Um, no, no, I mean, I, I meant Rob Schneider in this oh, movie. yeah. He's being a teenage girl. Like, yes. And actually, not... I think he does a pretty good job of being Rachel McAdams' well. character. I think that was funny. Yeah. Um, gosh. But, yeah, no, that, that part of the movie sucks. Um, it doesn't work. No. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't really... F- I mean, it, it very tangentially fits in with the theme of struggling with who you are. Yeah. But in a completely sideways way... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what's going on oh yeah it just doesn't it doesn't do it um i i like, do i do like though that this movie is the first movie as you pointed out that passes the bechdel test that we've watched so far yeah and it passes it like a hundred times <laughs> yeah it's like all the characters who are all the main characters are women except for rob schneider but he's playing a girl yes um and even without Rob Schneider, there's there's times where they talk about or they pass the Bechdel test without him mm-hmm. in it, if because I I think that counts, but it's a little iffy. I think no, it does, it does. Okay, they no, they, it's they more hardly the Rob ever Schneider talk part. about. There aren't main male characters to talk about really. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, they talk about Billy, but just how yeah. she wants to get back to Billy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then uh, I thought the role of the parents went really well. Um, I liked kind of the the difference between uh the two set of parents we see where one have a kind of failing marriage um which is fixed basically by the fact that uh they just need to do anything to fix it and then they were basically stagnant and this very good dad and then this other side with the paranoid woman constantly spying on their kids with the dad saying like if you drive to their prom and ruin the night for her i will like was it with I'll leave you? I don't remember exactly. Oh, no, he says I'll put you away. Oh. Well, that's not a great joke, but at the same time it fit well with what they're doing. Yeah. Um, like, I I like that the role of the parents is to let their kids figure out figure stuff out on their own. Yeah, except for the the one mom who is being a nuisance and is shown to be like bad. <laughs> right, right. That's still showing how like you got to let your kids figure stuff out. Like, you have to be there for them. Because, like, at the end, the parents are, like, Jessica's parents are there for her. Mm-hmm. Her whole family's there for her. But they, she has to figure out her own journey by herself. Which, I, I would have hated it personally. And this probably isn't the story for everybody. But I would have hated it personally if my parents tried to take an active role in me discovering my sexuality. Like, as a bisexual person. Mm-hmm. I would have found that shudder inducing and in fact like the only times like uh, like my mom this is getting personal but like my mom would ask if i was a lesbian a lot and i feel like that put me backwards quite a bit and like prevented me from coming out for a very long time so i mean hey parents like let your kid take the lead when it comes to their own identity just don't make assumptions about them don't when they ask you to stop asking questions, stop asking questions. Like, yes, take an interest, but don't be controlling 
when it comes to their identity. Your job is to keep them safe and make sure that they feel accepted. I will point out the one exception is if they're playing on an Xbox and it turns out they're becoming a Nazi. That's, yeah. That's not an identity. That's just a problem. Go no, deal with that. Certainly not an identity. Don't ho- let your ho- kids. Don't let your kids be sexist, racist, ableist, white supremacist. Don't let them be any of those things. Yeah. Make sure that they're an empathetic person. Because <laughs> that's that's the one thing I've noticed from a lot of uh, middle class white guys I grew up with, who were allowed to just yell freely be on the internet forever they they became racist (laughs) make sure that they're having safe sex if they're having safe sex or if they're having sex and make sure that they aren't getting uh don't let them do drugs (laughs) and or don't let them get a problem with alcohol yeah don't let them have (laughs) a problem don't be a fucking narc about it yeah (laughs) um honestly you have to be like in my opinion, you have to play a game where you're, like, trying to make sure they don't drink. Wink, wink. But, like, actually, you don't care. They just have to take enough of a step to hide it from you to become responsible. Or Learning to, to hide know... things. That's, that's, a, that's a good goal. <laughs> to know that your parents won't, like, be over-the-top mad at you or punish you if you, like, for example, are too drunk to get home or are in trouble. Like. Yeah. I, I will say. <laughs> they, ha- I you think... have, they have to have trust in you. <laughs> at at the age of 28 um and having ran a bar for years i don't have more than two drinks and drive home so like teenagers should just not if they're gonna drink right that's that's the smart move no or smoke weed like please don't just don't well no you can smoke weed what are you talking about no drive just smoke weed and drive yeah, that's true. A lot of people think that's not an issue, but, like, my friends no. are all fucking idiots and keep crashing their cars, so they'll retire when they do it. Um, anyway, I, I have one one other tangent I want to go on. Yes. And you kind of know what I'm getting at, but I'm going to start the metaphor anyway. That if you, you go to a restaurant, okay? You mm. order soup. The soup's good. The next day in the news, you learn the chef of the restaurant is a racist. He did some racist stuff. Was the soup still good? Soup was still good. Yeah. Don't go back to the restaurant. Yeah. You don't recommend the restaurant to anyone. But, like, it doesn't make the soup bad. And this is something I keep seeing in people's media analysis where I, I'm i going to come up with a, a fake movie or a movie example. Or let's say The Book Ender's Game. It's a good book. It won a lot of awards. A lot of people like it. The author is a racist and a piece of shit. Um, I actually spent, you know, side note, I didn't eat lunch in middle school. I'd go to the library and chat on the forums for that author with a bunch of people. That's that's my nerdiness right there. <laughs> I did not take it well when I learned this man sucked. Do I still like Ender's Game? Yeah, it's an incredibly good book. And one thing that I think is really dangerous is to be like, that book I read and that was meaningful to me or that meal I had and taste good or that movie I saw and I laughed at actually it's really bad and I've always hated it and I it's because I could tell it was made by someone who was shitty and it's just not true and it's really harmful to come up with this idea that you can tell based on some aesthetic mixing in a movie or in a game or in a book that the person who wrote this is bad and then you never liked it because it makes you think of stuff as 
if I don't actually like this book or movie, the person who made it's probably bad. Yeah. And then, you know, vice versa, that if, if it's good, the person who made it's probably good. And I think that's, like, a lot of the, the problem people have with, like, this hero worship thing. And it's something I keep seeing, especially in the game development world, um, where I keep a little bit of closer eye. But I think that's something I wanted to point out because we're dealing with, you know, the Sandler stuff. I think Adam Sandler's probably a pretty decent guy. But, like, I don't like Rob Schneider. I think he no, sucks. He really does. Like, and I want to point out to people, I'm not saying because this movie was good. It makes Rob Schneider good. That's a stupid opinion to have necessarily. Is that because a piece of art someone has made was good means they're good? Or if they, when they become bad, it's bad now? Of course, if you have like bad feelings towards an author, like I don't feel the same going back and reading Ender's Game. That's fine. It's because I can kind of hear him talking now. And now I think like, man, remember all that racist shit he said? Or all that like super homophobic shit he said? The anti-vaxxer stuff he said. I I stopped listening to him by the, by the time that came around. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. It's just like something I keep seeing more and more of. Where like, I promise, no one thinks you're clever because you secretly hated something that was made by a bad person the whole time. Apparently, like it, it's such a lame thing to fake. I want to point out that this does not apply for something that actually has bad messaging behind it. Yes. Like, if you read, I'm going to use the most over-the-top example. I'm going to go straight to Nazis. Mm -hmm. If you read Mein Kampf and really liked it and then found out Hitler was a bad guy, you'd still suck for liking Mein Kampf. I'm just going to yeah, point that for out. for sure. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff like that. It, it, it's like, I'm, I'm currently listening to uh, Sean's response to the book The Bell Curve, um, which is a scientific thing. If you agreed with The Bell Curve, you probably already sucked. I mean, or didn't really understand statistics very well. Mm -hmm. Either way, doesn't matter too much. But, like, if you go, if you like Harry Potter, which a lot of people do, it, ironically, I don't. <laughs> but it doesn't <laughs> oh, I mean, do. Yeah. I, I have yeah. very fond memories of reading Harry Potter back in, like, second grade. My mom found it at the bookstore where she worked, and she mm -hmm. gave it to me. She's like, Jessica, you need to read this. And I devoured those books until, like, I think six is probably where I was like, I don't really like this anymore. But I still, I finished the whole series. Yeah. But I, I, I really enjoyed those first five books. I know for sure those first five books. Mm -hmm. um, and they uh, are a special part of my childhood. J.K. Rowling's a turf. <laughs> yeah. J.K. Rowling fucking sucks. But, like, a lot of people like those books. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like her. Yeah. Um, also, like... I feel like real hypocritical for bringing this up, but I specifically didn't like Harry throughout all the books and only liked <laughs> the other nerdy kid who could have saved the world. Neville. Yeah, dude, Neville's the fucking man. Remember when he killed that so uh, snake with a sword? That was pretty good. Because he fucking sucks at magic or whatever. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember that because I don't remember books six and seven very well at all. I, I remember <laughs> the statues come alive and then Neville fucks some shit up with a sword and then they're like, hey, Neville, why are you bleeding and, like, look like you've gotten your ass kicked? He's like, I've been fighting for six months. And you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, has Neville been in Nam for, like, a fucking this entire book? Um, was there a reason that you brought up this tangent, or was it just about Rob Schneider? It wasn't only about Rob Schneider. It, it's kind of about, like, the everything in general. Because, like, I, I think 
it's a lot of me seeing how people interact with media right now specifically but it's something that i think a lot of people don't communicate well and i think it's important partially because they, you know rob schneider's a shitty anti-vaxxer i don't like this yeah. dude no. Doesn't doesn't mean this movie's bad or the messages don't work suddenly. Mm-hmm. Like, but also, I'm gonna keep watching all his movies. I would be really interested in hearing a trans perspective on this movie, like mm-hmm. from someone who is trans. Uh, I kind of wish that we had a guest on for this one. Um, I didn't know enough about it because no, no. I thought it was gonna follow the other character. Yeah. Yeah. But. I, I, I am I really do want to hear thoughts. Um I did try to do some research on it. Um For some reason it, though, the art critic art media analysis of Rob Schneider films is very low. No. And um, like usually too, like if I can't find something I try to find stuff on Reddit. And Reddit had a really bad it was a really bad post about it again with someone complaining that they left his boy cross-dressed yeah and it wasn't and it was and he said like it was just played away like it was a normal thing like shouldn't there be a bigger reaction like no dude it was totally normal Uh, but yeah i I couldn't find a lot yeah i couldn't find a lot in well the comments were like what are you talking about so uh i couldn't find a lot on the internet of course the search term for the hot chick is a difficult (laughs) i didn't even think about that yeah um uh, but i i did try i've been googling hot chick all night i can't find anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially when paired with some of the other search terms like the internet is a dark place yeah but i would if if you're listening to this and you've seen this movie and you are trans or if you've just listened to this podcast and you are trans and you have some opinions that you'd like to share i i do want to hear your opinions um i though i don't want to just be like hey my trans friends like what do you think about i don't want to make them have to be my teacher i am trying to look at this from you know from my own point of view but but trying to put on this lens but that is not which is so the funny thing about that statement too is there's a movie we're gonna have one of my friends on and he said well that's a perfect movie to come on because it's the only movie Adam Sandler has ever been friends with a black guy in. And I thought that was the funniest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also I think it, I think it's true. So that's yeah. that's good. I mean it was already it was already kind of weird enough having Maggie on the last episode because I didn't want her to feel like we only had her on the episode because she's Jewish and Yeah, it was, no. It was like but she's like a musical theater person and like there's a bunch of reasons why yeah um, but it's still weird to have someone be like hey i'm gonna let me be your teacher on this it it feels i am apart from my queer identity i am like the most generic white person so (laughs) i don't even have a religion like (laughs) yeah i mean there's a reason i relate everything to comic books it's because it's the lens i see things through like yeah that's which somehow didn't make me an horribly shitty person so thanks, Stan Lee, for that one. Well, Alex, what are we watching today, tomorrow? What are we watching? Well, we gotta like, watch it right now, um, which is very unfortunate in my mind. But it is 2003's Anger Management, starring Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson. I remember really liking Anger Management. I remember seeing two minutes of it when it came out and disliking it. My parents were watching it on VHS, I think. Maybe DVD at that time. Hmm. 
but uh it's a two-star sandler movie um because one of the production companies is happy madison and it stars adam sandler making me believe that they had a little more to do with it but it was not written by them uh yeah i'm excited to come back and revisit it because i don't remember a lot i just remember the the mantra juice for la which i have said to people before and <laughs> do you want the i'm pretty sure that the movie is about micro penises and i don't know why i think that I don't know, Alex, to be honest. I don't remember anything about the plot. I didn't even remember that Jack Nicholson was in it. <laughs> Honestly, I, I remember that Adam Sandler was in it. If if the movie... Okay. We watched a movie recently where there was a flashback to a young Jewish boy um, in a, like an ice cream truck like hitting on a girl. What was that? Oh, uh... uh no, that was Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, yes, yes. Um... I think that scene happens in this movie, and I don't know why. <laughs> you can we'll find see. this podcast. You can find this podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can also find our games at wannabegames.com. Check out Moonpunk, which is about fighting fascists and other authoritarians on the moon. It You might find some interesting stuff in there about actually fighting fascists. Anyway. Yeah, um, it has some, some real-world guides to uh, maybe how it works in real life, which might be important right now. Might be. Maybe. Maybe. Um, you can also support us at patreon.com slash games, but instead I would recommend uh, to donate to the Bail Project or another bail fund near you in your community or to another Black Lives Matter movement just to, to support racial justice and the protesters and all the protests that are happening right now. They need that money, so do that yeah. instead. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Joska. And you can find me at Kitty Crusade. And as they say, in anger management.